Good morning. Welcome to Eastern Shore Baptist Church's podcast. My name is Stuart Davidson. I'm so thrilled that you have decided to tune in this week. I certainly hope that today's message will be both encouraging to you, but also I pray that it will be convicting. You can find out more about our church by visiting www.myesbc.net. God bless you and look forward to seeing you soon at church. Good morning. Good morning. If you will, if you'll open up your Bibles uh, to Matthew chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. Can we turn up our house lights for just one moment? I want to read you a short story. In verse 14 of Matthew chapter 8, it says this, When Jesus came into Peter's house, by the way, that's the same Peter, Simon, the apostle, the disciple of Christ. He saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in a bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she got up, and she began to wait on him, that being Jesus. Then verse 16, when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. And he drove out the spirits with a word, and he healed all the sick. And this was to fulfill what was spoken to the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities, and he carried our diseases. I want to share with you four really quick things, okay? Four really quick things. One, when Jesus enters, he engages. When Jesus comes to Peter's house, he sees Peter's mother, mother mother-in-law, lying on a bed. Scripture tells us she has a fever. The Greek word that's actually used there is a really interesting word. It actually says that she was on fire. That's how high the fever was. She was burning up. Scripture, if you read into it, would actually say that she was dying. So there was Jesus entering into this unfamiliar home filled with unfamiliar people, and he sees someone that's hurting. And so what does our Jesus do? Our Jesus engages. He jumps right in. He sees the hurt, and he meets the hurt. The scripture tells us that he touched her. Isn't that a beautiful thing? To know that the creator of the universe, the sustainer of all things, that he sees this person who he has never physically met but knows, knows better than she even knows herself. And yet this wonderful, awesome, powerful person comes in and touches her. Friends, I don't know about you, but I've hurt some in my life. And you've just heard three incredible stories of healing. And isn't it awesome to know that when we hurt, when we desire healing, that Jesus will reach down and touch us. Jesus doesn't want to leave you where you are. He wants to engage you right in your pain. He wants to find out exactly what you need. He wants you to know him. He wants your, his presence to be with you. When Jesus enter, enters, he engages. And now the second point that I want to give you is this. Whatever Jesus touches, he transforms. Scripture tells us that Peter's mother-in-law was lying in bed with a fever. She was on fire. She was very near death. Scripture tells us that Jesus reached out, that he touched her, and at that moment, the fever left. I don't understand how Jesus does these things. Jesus does things that doctors could only dream of. Doctors practice medicine. Jesus is the medicine. Isn't that awesome to know? Jesus touches her, and immediately it says that she got up and began to serve them. Now, there's two different translations, by the way. If you have the NIV, the NIV will say that Jesus, uh, that that Peter's mother-in-law waited on them. If you have the English Standard Version, it says that she served them. It's actually the same word. Again, if you go back to the word uh, in in Greek, it's the same word that we use for deacon. Deacon. We've got deacons here in our room. I'm not going to necessarily say that uh, Peter's mother-in-law was the first deacon, but she served him as a deacon. 
the word actually means to serve. Now, what's really interesting is when you go and you look at some of the, uh, the scholarly works or some of the, the, uh, the commentaries, uh, there's, a, there's an idea here that Peter's mother-in-law was actually not a follower of Christ. That she became a follower of Christ after she was touched by Jesus. After he entered into her resident, after she was healed, she became a follower. Now, as I read that scripture, I, I came up with a thought. See, most of us believe that in order to be healed, we have to serve. And yet Jesus turns that on its head and says, no, I've healed you so that you can serve. And see, many of us are working to be healed. Many of us desire healing, so we, we try, to, try to do things in order that God might love us or that God might care for us or that God might bend over backwards for us. And the reality is just the opposite of that. Jesus says, no, 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 it's not what you bring to the table, it's what I bring to the table. It's not anything that you can do, it's what I can do through you. It's not that you could ever earn salvation, it's not that you could ever earn healing, it's not that you could ever shake the fever yourself, the fever of sin that we all possess. Oh no, I'm going to heal you so that you can serve me and not the other way around. Whatever Jesus touches, he transforms. And Jesus takes a woman who was sick and transforms her into well. He takes what is broken and he busted and he turns it into something that's usable, something that's victorious for him. I almost like to think in my mind's eye that maybe Peter's mother-in-law was really not a believer in Christ. That she was lost and dead in her sin. And then she has an encounter with Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden she leaves this lifestyle uh, that, uh, of maybe Judaism behind. Maybe she was enslaved by that religion. And she says, oh no, I'm now going to follow Jesus. I'm going to serve him. What I do love about this scripture, by the way, is it doesn't say that she ever stopped serving him. She served him forever. She gave him her life and her testimony now, the other thing that I also want to tell you, the third point is this. So Jesus, when he speaks to her, we see that evening comes. We see that evening comes. And all of a sudden, people throughout the city begin to hear of what Jesus has done for Peter's mother-in-law, and they begin to bring him all sorts of people, all sorts of people. We have people that are spiritually possessed by Satan himself. We have people that are sick. We have people that are infirm. The scripture tells us that people of all sorts of afflictions are brought to Jesus. Meaning this, that Jesus is the cure-all. There's nothing that Jesus can't heal. So naturally, we have diseases. We have cancers. We've got all types of things that we're going through. But maybe you're not suffering from some type of a disease, but maybe you're suffering from some type of affliction. Maybe you have mental illness in your family that's playing out in your life right now. Maybe you've got a, a streak of rebellion in your heart that you can't really quite shake. Maybe you've got a child right now that you're trying to teach and love and care for, and yet that child is giving you nothing but his hand and saying, I don't want anything to do with you. Maybe that's your affliction. Well, isn't it funny that as we start winding down for the night, Jesus is just getting warmed up. See, even though it was, it was dusk and maybe people are going home, oh, no, 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 Jesus was just getting started with what he was doing that day. See, most people thought, man, what Jesus did for Peter's mother-in-law, he'll never top that. And Jesus says, hold my Bible. <laughs> I'm just getting warmed up. Let me share with this, this with you, friends. I don't know where you are in your life. Maybe you've given up on yourself. Maybe you've given up on that loved one. Maybe you've given up on that illness. Maybe you've given up on that cancer and you feel like, you know what? Jesus can't touch me. Oh, yes, he can. 
He can. Only if you open the door. Peter's mother-in-law, she may have been sick, but she opened the door. And aren't you glad that she did? I want to remind you that Jesus' word works. Jesus' word works. Scripture tells us that Jesus spoke people into healing. He used the power of his word. By the way, the same power that ushered in creation, the same power that spoke into being light and darkness and stars and planets, the same word that spoke into existence seas and animals and creatures of all kind, the same word that created each and every one of us is the same word that healed all of these sicknesses and all of these diseases and all of these infirmities and all of these inflictions. Jesus' word works. If you're trying to find any other type of healing outside of Jesus's word, you might find a temporary fix. You may find a band-aid, but I promise you it will not fix the bullet hole of sin. The only thing that will is Jesus's word. Trust in his word. When Jesus enters, he engages. Whatever Jesus touches, he transforms. Jesus's word works. And the last thing is this. Jesus wants you to trade your tragedy for his triumph. He wants you to trade his tragedy for your, uh, for your tragedy for his triumph. I love this piece of scripture. It's found in Isaiah. He took up our infirmities. He took up Stuart's infirmities. He took up my problems, my issues, my flaws, all the things that are wrong inside of me. And trust me, it's a long line. He took up my infirmities and he carried my diseases. He carried my problems, my issues, all the things that are bad inside of me, he took up. And the wonderful thing is, is I got to lay all those things down and I get to walk out burden free and Jesus carries my burden for me. That is a trade that I don't understand why everybody in this room would not take. What a deal. It's a great deal. It's the deal of deals. Let's make a deal. Naturally, all of us would say, Jesus, I'm so tired. Take it. Whether you're Tommy, whether you're Heather or Susan, each one of these people know what it's like to carry a burden. And yet on the front end of the video, on the back end of the video, they're saying, Jesus has healed me. Now understand this. Does Tommy still have problems with his kidneys? Yeah, he does. Tommy's looking at a kidney transplant here in just a few weeks and months. Does Heather, is she still battling with the fear? Chances are that comes with Hodgkin's lymphoma, probably. What, what happens if those scans come back? Does that mean God didn't heal her? What about Susan? Does Susan not still, is she not still racked with grief over the loss of a daughter? Yeah, she is. So Stuart, how in the world can you sit there? How can they get up on that screen and say that God has healed them if Tommy's still struggling with, with his kidneys, if, if Heather's still battling Hodgkin's lymphoma, if Susan's still dealing with grief? How in the world could you say that? Because that's not the kind of healing God ever promised to us. The healing that God promises us is not always a, a physical healing. I've seen it. I've seen physical healings. But it's not always what's delivered. What is delivered to us, though, is a spiritual healing. A spiritual healing that solves a lot of the problems that we have. A spiritual healing that, that gives us the strength to be able to carry the weight of grief. The, the spiritual healing that gives us the strength to help us carry the weight of a loss of a, of a child. 
which is, has to be the worst of all. That the spiritual strength that helps us to carry the weight of a physical ailment like a renal failure. This is what God wants to deliver to us. Life is life, and life will sometimes give us lemons. It's not always going to be roses and birds chirping. But God gives us a promise that if we take Jesus, if we let him enter our life, he will engage us. He will touch us. He will speak to us. He'll trade our tragedy for his triumph. Friend, that is a great trade. Brothers and sisters, I don't know where you are. I really don't. I can't pretend to know what's going on in your life or the burdens that you're carrying around, or the decisions that you've got to make. All I know is that somehow Jesus has taken this broken life and he's done something remarkable with it. Doesn't mean that I don't have problems. Doesn't mean that I don't have struggles. But it does mean that I have Jesus and that's enough. And I don't know today if you're ready to make that decision to follow Christ because I guarantee in a room this size of probably more than 600 people here, I guarantee you in this room, somebody is tired of walking around with that burden under their own strength. And they're ready to give that up. Friend, following Jesus is so simple. It's so easy. We teach it in vacation Bible school. It's your ABCs. The first step is admit. Admit that you are a sinner, which is not easy, for, which is actually easy for most of us in this room. I had, I had five-year-old children in vacation Bible school that understood what sin meant and they understood that they were in that group. They understood that they had disobeyed God's law. They understood that they had disappointed God with their actions and their activities. And they knew that if they were judged by the Ten Commandments that they would be guilty. They'd be guilty. The Bible tells us in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 tells us the punishment, it says, for the wages of sin is death. All of us deserve death. Because of our sin, we have to die. But then there's the letter B. It's believe. Believe that Jesus is who he said he was. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If anyone wants to come to the Father, he must come through me. Jesus is the doorway that we enter. He is our ticket into heaven. He is the person that transforms our life. One of the classic pieces of Scripture is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall never perish but have eternal, everlasting life. Do you believe in Jesus? Again, speaking to a five-year-old, a five-year-old has the clarity and the understanding to say, I'm a sinner, I know that my sin means death, but I know that if I believe in Jesus that I can have eternal life. A five-year-old gets that is a good trade. But then there's the C. There is the committing you have to commit your life to Jesus. Just like what Peter's mother-in-law did. She left her sickness and she became a servant. Something that Peter understood in 1 Peter 5, verse 7. I can imagine Peter wrote this words and was probably thinking about his mother-in-law. And Peter said, casting all of our anxieties on him, we should trust him. We should cast all of our cares upon him and follow him. I think one of the most powerful things that we can do is to obey Jesus. How do you know someone's a believer in Christ? If they follow Jesus. 
If they talk like Jesus, if they think like Jesus, if their heart is in the right place like Jesus' heart was, if they say, I want to take Jesus' teachings and apply them to my life, I commit my life to him. Romans chapter uh, 10, verse 9. It says this, that if we believe in our heart that Jesus was raised from dead, if we confess him with our lips, then we will be saved. Friends, when the last time, or have you ever confessed Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord? It's never too late. You can do it right here, right now. Don't carry the burden by yourself. Would you close your eyes and bow your head with me for just one moment? This morning, ask yourself that re this, really central, this really central question. If you were to die today, where would you go? Would you be separating eternity in hell? Or would you have the opportunity because of your committing your life to Jesus Christ here today, because of your service of him, would you be ushered into the kingdom of God? The Bible tells us there's one of two places. Friend, if you don't know where, where you would go when you die, if you have no answer to that question, I want you to praise this, pray this prayer with me. Pray in the silence of your heart and the stillness of your mind. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. And I know that if I were to die today, that I'd be separated from you. Lord Jesus, I know that my sin, the punishment is death. But Lord Jesus, I know that it's the free gift of eternal life that you're offering me today. Today, Jesus, I believe in you. I put all of my heart in your hands. I trust my life with you. All of my dreams, all of my hopes, everything I am now belongs to you. Today, Jesus, I commit my life to you. I follow you and declare that you are my Savior. Jesus, thank you for dying. Thank you for your resurrection. And thank you for healing me.